is going to be uh, a personal one because it affects me as well as many others. And if it affects you, I want you to be able to come out from hiding, all right? A minister friend of mine who I love very dearly and to whom I replied privately started off his email with, do you ever feel like a fraud? Um, he'd been a Christian for 50 years plus and is saying he, he believes that he has faith. He believes that he serves the Lord and he does. He's a great fella. He does so much for poor and disadvantaged in particular. And the way he's encouraged people in a very difficult place is exemplary. And he goes, and I believe all of this most of the time, but there are times when the doubt creeps in, times I wonder when can this really be true, times where I'm just not sure. Those type of emails resonate with me. He goes on to say he knows the issues and problems with um, Darwinian evolution. He knows the problems with, you know, all of the other alternatives, but it's quite a story we're being asked to believe. Here's the first thing we have to say. Every origin story is taken on faith. Every single one of them. I read an article recently by a team of scientists on uh, 12 different ways that the universe could have come into being from nothing. And all of them were, all of the different 12 were riddled with weasel words and lack of data. Like, well, could have and could possibly, it's conceivable that, you know, and goes on such as this. They're, I'm not making fun of them, by the way. They're doing their hardest to figure out something. And I, I appreciate that. I do. But looking at them, every single one of them, I'm going, mm, not very likely. And then I've read stories of gods of different religions. I don't need to go into which ones are which that started the universe by attacking each other and biting each other and spitting out planets. And that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Now, does this, does it make sense that there was a creator who's outside time, outside physics, who then creates something uh, and his wisdom is able to, to harness all these rules to keep this thing growing and progressing through time to where eventually you know, little critters show up that he can love and accept as his own. Well, it sounds preposterous but it's the only one that really fits in with everything that we know. Now we have a lot of good ideas about things and don't bash evolution just because they call it a theory. It is not a wild guess or a hypothesis. Evolution is something that you can see happen in front of you all the time. We, uh, we graft two different types of flowers together and we get a third color or a brand new kind of flower. Uh, we see this happening with animals as we breed ourselves different forms of animals. I mean, God didn't make a poodle. He wouldn't have done that. He made dogs, wolves, canis, and we, and over the years, they kept breeding um, and we bred them for with intentions. And eventually we have dogs and some live in purses, you know, but I'm pretty sure that's a far fall from a wolf. Still, believing that evolution's out there, that's, that's pretty easy for me. I am a you know, rather uh, dark red 
uh, in especially most of the part of the year down here in the south. And for a Scotsman, I'm quite quite red. Well, it's because I'm not just Scottish. I have in me three percent African blood. I've done all the tests. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Mediterranean blood in me because my people were travelers and they married as they traveled. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm evolution too. I'm a blend of what came before. So what, what do you do when you doubt? Well, we know certain things. We know that something doesn't come from nothing. Those 12 points, the scientists really tried hard. And again, kudos to them didn't really amount to anything. There's there's nothing there upon which to hook your life or your meaning or your place in the universe. We know that intelligence doesn't come from non-intelligence. We know that order doesn't come from chaos. Uh, chaos descends and pulls order out. And while chaos does progress in a way which is rather predictable, therefore calling into question the term chaos, it is still never created a bunny, a flower. Um, it is never created a beating heart. Everything we know for certain, the laws of thermodynamics, for example, all of those fit with the concept that someone outside of time created something. And by the way, there are a lot of people now sneaking up on this from the other way. And people such as Elon Musk and others have suggested that the entire universe we see is really just a simulation being run on the computer somewhere. Now, what in the world? They're really just saying this all makes sense, but only if there's an off-site creator who's involved in this process. So I just smile when I hear about that. We know we all just might be a computer simulation. I read two articles on that last week. It's becoming more and more popular. And just makes me smile because I know they're coming to God. They just don't know it yet. They think God's a programmer. And I'm going to say unlikely. How's that? Um, so what happens when we have doubts? Well, I certainly have doubts. Uh, and some of you right now are wanting to start flying links to me. <clears throat> saying, no, look at all the things that the Bible says that people said didn't happen. But then archaeology showed it did. You're right. There are a lot of Christian evidences. And in fact, I go and speak of them at universities, churches, uh, at other gatherings where I'm asked to do it. I'll talk about the reasons I believe. Some of those come from design, but some of those do come from archaeology and from other disciplines. Yes. But others of you are going to show, going to send me links that I'm not even going to click, click on. No, we haven't found a bunch of Egyptian chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea. No, we haven't found where Moses was on Mount Sinai when he got the, uh, the laws. The number of false, fake, silly stories that Christians fall for, <clears throat> it's too big and it hurts our reputation. It really does. And I'm gonna ask you, please, please reconsider before you pass something on. One man who's passed now, every single thing he went to look for to prove the Bible true, every single thing he found, that's a red flag. Because no, no discipline works that way, that you always find what you're looking for. <clears throat> 
and you're the one. And people say, well, this mainstream archaeology, they're anti-God. You know, most of them, not really. Um, they're just trying to figure out what they're finding. Now, there, there have been anti-God archaeologists, don't get me wrong. But they're, they certainly are not in charge of the field. Most people who do archaeology have no interest in proving the Bible. They're just trying to see what is. And the Bible very often shows them what is. And, and that's always cool. That's very cool. But there's still a lot of room for doubt. Especially when you, you look like it doesn't look like we're winning. It doesn't look like you know love is spreading across the globe. It doesn't look like, but I want to I want to challenge that. And I brought up before Hans Rosling, uh, R O S L I N G, wrote a book called Factfulness. It's not a real word. He made it up. It's great. Now, uh, Dr. Rosling works for the UN. He is a Swedish socialist. So you know where his politics are, and he's not a, not a believer. And yet, factfulness shows that by every single way you can measure improvement in the human condition, the human condition is improving so rapidly. But we still live in fear because people don't know it. And all the media will do is run to point toward the aberrations. Others, we... Sometimes we don't because our system failed. I went into mission work carrying the system of my religious tribe. You just do these film strips. We didn't do the film strips, but you get the idea. Uh, you do this open Bible study. You do this old correspondence course, and people will be baptized, all honest people. Well, that's actually a, a logical fallacy called the no, I'm sorry, all true Scotsman fallacy. And you can look it up. It's a it's a great history. But where they'll say, all, you know, there no true Scotsman would ever believe. And it just, it tries to kill all debate. And we did that all the time. We would say, here's our system. Any honest person looking at the Bible through our study has to come to agreement with us. And it's not true. It didn't work. I was the world's worst missionary. I, I just really did not do anything lasting at all and my faith went so what happens when your faith's in something other than god and jesus as lord let's say you um you're you believe in a literal bible where god dictated every single word and it's down to us today and don't come at me later with saying no no they were only perfect and pristine in the originals. We don't have the originals. You're making a huge assumption that you cannot prove. So do not call people into rigid compliance with your belief when you can't show them any reason for it. All right. And then you come across passages like Paul saying in, to Timothy that because sin, uh, Eve sinned first, well, then this has to happen. But in Romans, he says, because in Adam, was the first sin. Or then you see Paul saying, I didn't baptize any of you except for this one, this one. And if I baptized anymore, I, I, I don't remember that. God, God didn't dictate those words to Paul. And Paul will often say, now I, not the Lord, I'm saying this in his books. But it's not just Paul. You can sometimes tell who wrote which gospel by what they leave out. With Peter, you know, he 
he's not always going to out himself. He'll say some man, one of the apostles. You know, it was dark. We couldn't see. <laughs> if, you're, if your belief is in a pristine scripture that is dictated by God and men were just secretaries, then you're going to really struggle with your faith. But if you believe the Bible brought you to a Savior who loves you and you read the Gospels and you decide to follow him, you're going to be pretty good. But if your faith is, well, the first chapter of Genesis is absolute science, I would have to say, well, you know, I'm not going to die on that hill. But everything we can see and measure would say it isn't everything. Plus, it was in a poetic form very well known for the time in which it was written. And it was an answer to the Gilgamesh sagas and others where the universe was created out of chaos. So let it be what it is. Besides, you really think if Moses is the author of Genesis 1, that God's going to set an 80-year-old shepherd down when he has time after the plagues and the, you know, leading people through the wilderness and such, and said, here's the scientific order in which the universe was created. Or do you think he's going to tell him a story that the shepherd can understand? Whenever people talk to me about quantum physics, I've noticed something. Almost none of them are correct in what they're saying. Do I correct them? Almost never. Why? It'd take too long. Maybe 10 years, undergrad, postgrad study. So if, if, if we have a hard time understanding our universe, how's God going to talk to a guy thousands of years ago and give him the science? Now, is there science in scripture? Yeah, there's a lot in Leviticus that's really amazing. But that's, so I'm not saying dismiss the science. I'm, what I'm saying is read the Bible for what it is. It's a story of God and man and man and God and women and God and God and women and bringing us all to Jesus. Now, look at Jesus. That's what God said. When Moses and Elijah, and Elijah were up there, the law and the prophets, God said, look at Jesus. Listen to him. Do that. Will that do away with the struggles we have when our prayers are not answered? No. Will it do away with the struggles we have when we see real evil? No. How about injustice? No. What are you going to do with that? You're going to wrestle God. That's what I'm going to tell you to do. If you have doubts and you are wrestling with God, at least you're in touch with him. It's those that yawn and walk away I'm worried about. So, do I ever feel like I'm a fraud? Yes. So what do I do about it? I'm open about it. I talk about it. And I remind myself that everything I know and can prove tells me that there is a God and tells me that we were led to see Jesus. And then, like Pascal in his famous Pascal's Wager, I think, I'm not risking anything by living for and like Jesus. Not a thing. I have atheist friends, and I tell them, one of these days, one of us is going to be surprised. But I will never regret giving my life to Jesus, even when it seems like an inordinate amount of that life was spent in doubt and wrestling. So my friend, I tell you, just have faith, but I'm not going to do that. Wrestle him, work your way through it. 
I trust on the other end. You may be limping, but you'll still be walking. God bless.